0: Welcome to Radioactive Magazine. We will be talking with Karen Lev and Quang Yu Ching of the American Civil Liberties of Union of Kansas about the issues that concern them the most at this time. They are both staff attorneys with uh, Kansas ACOU. Ms. Lev was uh, was previously a supervising attorney at the Bronx Defender, a holistic public defense office that represents clients in criminal, civil, and immigration matters in the Bronx borough of New York City. Uh, She she worked there for over eight years, amassing vast trial and emergency hearing experience, defending hundreds of parents and caregivers uh, targeted by the family regulation system and family court. Ms. Ching was born and raised in Johnson County, Kansas. She returned to Kansas after clerking for judges in the US District Court for the Northern District of California. At that court, she worked on cases involving a wide variety of civil rights issues, including racial and ethnic discrimination, disability rights, labor, employment, prisoners' rights, immigration, First, uh, First Amendment, free speech, and excessive force and other police misconduct. Before that, she worked for a private law firm, Um, litigating patents, copyright, trademark, and employment matters. What are the most important things you'd like our audience to know about the issues that concern the Kansas ACLU currently?
1: Well, Spencer, why don't I start? Thank you for having us. Let me just give a little brief background about what it is that we do over at the ACLU of Kansas, that everybody sort of gets oriented. So we are a nonpartisan uh, nonprofit organization. Uh, that focuses on defending civil rights and civil liberties that are guaranteed by the Constitution and by federal law. So we believe that everyone, all Kansans civil rights should be protected regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, religion, political affiliation. So we've worked to defend the rights of marginalized groups um, for over a century. The ACLU is structured that there is a national office and then each state has an affiliate office. And so Quan Yu and I come to you from the affiliate office of Kansas, so the ACLU of Kansas. Um, one little thing about our work is that we are structured in a way that we focus on integrated advocacy. So what that means is that we look at issues and we look at the issues that we're most interested in and we approach them from several different ways. So that includes legal, right? Which Quan Yu and I as the staff attorneys uh, work and that's the filing of lawsuits. We also have lobbying and policy efforts and our organizing um, project that works in the communities um, on behalf of, of people who oftentimes can't afford lawyers on their own or bring suit um, or address these issues on their
0: own. You're pushing evidence-based public policy, right? In the public policy arena. Talk about that.
1: Yeah. Largely what that means is that when we're looking at reform or changing things, um, we wanna look at what research says is working and what research says isn't working, what polls and research tells us who's impacted and who's benefiting from certain ways that things that are, that when we're thinking about change, certainly when we're imagining justice and criminal legal reform, we wanna look to the evidence and then propose changes that are based and rooted in that evidence so that we have meaningful and impactful change.
0: Great. So you mentioned two campaigns. Talk more about that.
2: Uh, Well, I'll take that question then. Um, Well, we're obviously concerned about any and all civil rights issues that affect Kansans. Um, We're a small organization with limited resources um, and people power. So our work is currently Primarily focused on two campaigns our Reimagine Justice criminal legal reform campaign and our Represent Voting Rights campaign. Um, and we, as an affiliate, developed these campaigns after months of discussion and consideration of what we think are the most critical issues in Kansas at the moment.
0: Talk more about uh, reimagining uh, criminal justice.
1: Sure. So, our reimagining justice. Uh, campaign is really looking at the criminal legal system and acknowledging what we see isn't working and looking for ways, right, to prioritize change within that system. And we at the ACLU believe that the system isn't working, right? And this is based, and this goes back to your initial question, Spencer, about evidence based practices is that what the evidence shows us is that. Our system punishes things like poverty, mental illness, and substance abuse, and disproportionately harms communities of color, and it simultaneously creates these cycles of harm and violence that perpetuates. Um, We believe that a legal system shouldn't do that, right? That it shouldn't be wealth-based, that treatment shouldn't be dependent on your economic situation, that spending tax dollars on the system should be spent on looking at Solutions that are based in evidence, that are based in data, and a system should respect the rights of everyone who's involved in that system. And so, from that, we're really focused on three main priorities uh, in this campaign. The first is the elimination of fines and fees for juveniles statewide, the second is decreasing the number of Kansans who are detained pre trial. And the last is statutory decriminalization of medical marijuana and equity within that medical marijuana space. Um, Mm -hmm. I can speak briefly to to each one, but with our elimination of juvenile fines and fees, what we're seeing is that children in the criminal legal system are being charged thousands of dollars of fines and fees um, with these cases. And we know that children aren't able to work, right? Children don't have income to pay these fines and fees back. And so what happens is, one, either the juveniles take on bad credit, civil judgments against them that impact their ability to progress as they grow up, to become, to be able to get jobs, to be able to get loans, or, and, or their families, right, who are often already working class families or low income families are burdened by this debt, whereby perpetuating cycles of poverty within the communities and harming communities. And of course, this ties back to the fact that we know that most of these juveniles being assessed, these fines and fees are from communities of color. And so we see it's this perpetuation of these cycles. And what research tells us is that these fines and fees are not effective um, at preventing or reducing crime. In fact, they're often counterproductive um, in that, which is the very opposite of meaningful. In terms of pretrial detention, We're really focused on on issues surrounding cash bail, right? So wealthy individuals who are charged the same crimes as individuals who can't afford to pay bail, right, should not be able to walk free while somebody else sits in jail for the same crime, right? That is a criminalization of poverty.
0: Before, uh, when charged, not when convicted, when charged. When
1: charged, yes, when charged. Thank you. And we know that poor people spend time in jails for the same crimes that their wealthier counterparts do not pre-trial, as you said. And again, this disproportionately harms certain communities and reinforces systemic racism and economic inequality within our society. It leads to overcrowding of jails and prisons, and it makes these jails less safe for everyone. And frankly, it's not a good use of our tax dollars, not a good use of Kansas resources. Um, and we've seen that in other jurisdictions and other places where there's reduced cash bail or are less reliance on cash bail, there's been no impact on crime or public safety. And these are this is important and very rooted in why we want to reimagine the criminal legal system and what it can and should look like. We also are focused on the issue of wait times for Kansans who are being held pre-trial who are waiting for competency evaluations um, and restoration services. So this is when somebody is deemed um, not competent to proceed at trial and they need services. Um, We know that individuals are often waiting in county jails pre-trial for 11 months, a year, all before they're convicted of anything, before they get their services. We've actually filed a lawsuit in that case, um, which you can read, much more about on our website um, suing the Kansas Department of Aging and Disability over these long wait lists because we believe that it subjects our clients and other individuals on these wait lists to prolonged punishment and violates their constitutional rights. The last sort of priority under our campaign is, is medical marijuana. American voters across partisan lines agree that the war on drugs has largely failed. And despite this, Kansans' continue to resort or the government continues to resort to the criminalization of access to medical treatment in the form of marijuana and this hurts kansans it hurts kansans seeking medical seeking medical treatments
0: right so you've talked about uh, yeah and it's not so and of course people who are incarcerated pending trial lose their jobs they lose lose their so they wind up um homeless because they can't pay the rent, uh, et cetera, right? And And can lose
1: custody of their children. It can destroy their families. And when we see that this is in particular impacting certain communities, right, communities of color, it's just perpetuating cycles of violence on the community, cycles of poverty, and is not keeping our communities safer. It's harming our communities. It's harming um, these communities' abilities to thrive we've done a tremendous amount of research and rely on outside resources we've also done a tremendous amount of polling on this and all of the data and all of the is, is can be found on our website for a deeper dive into looking at the studies that show that show this um, so I really encourage all the listeners who are interested in this to really go over to our website at ACLU Kansas and see be able to really see um, all the, the the data that that supports um, these
0: issues that we are, that we're fighting for. Great. Great. Yeah. And and I know that there's been research for decades that basically says that, that uh, drug abuse in general, uh, not just, not, not just marijuana, but drug abuse general, the process, uh, the criminalization of drug abuse um, has not, is, is basically the worst, approach to managing the problem of substance abuse am i right
1: yeah i mean i think there's a lot of studies out there that that really um contradict the way that the criminal legal system handles substance abuse and treat and and looks to treat it and the criminalization of it um that it's not that it's hurting it's hurting individuals and it's certainly hurting kansans Um, and and i I encourage i we're proud of the amount of research that we rely on and data that's out there to support to support these very firm beliefs that we have.
2: We're working on vote from jail programs. If you are being detained in jail pre-trial um, because you weren't able to make bail for all those reasons that we discussed earlier, um, but you haven't yet been convicted of a felony, you are still eligible to vote. Um, but obviously, those people can't get out and go to their local poll site. Um, And another item that we are working on is voter restoration programs. In Kansas, if you have been convicted of a felony and you have completed your sentence, finished your probation or parole and paid off all your fines and fees, you are eligible to vote. Um, I highly encourage anybody who's in that situation to go to restoremyvoteks.org for more info. Um, And that particular project, I think, dovetails really nicely with our fines and fees work that Karen was talking about earlier. Um, It's not only are you suffering like all of these, um, all of these subsequent effects from just not having enough money to pay off your fines and fees, you're also prevented from political access from voting because you're poor. Um, and one thing I think is important in our voting rights campaign, um, one thing I don't think people realize is just how locally controlled elections are in Kansas. Everything is county-based. Um, each county has an election officer who has very broad discretion and power to decide how elections are run in their respective counties, from polling locations, to voting hours, to offering advanced voting Um, or whatever mail-in ballot procedures you might have to um, the kinds of voting equipment that you have at each location. Um, And in the four largest Kansas counties, that's Johnson, Cedric, Shawnee, and Wyandotte. So basically KCK, Topeka, and Wichita. um, The election officer for those four counties is appointed by the Kansas Secretary of State. And in the remaining 101 counties in Kansas, the election officer is typically the county clerk, and that person is an elected official. We have done a report um, based on a lot of research. It's called All Democracy is Still Local. That's available on our website for more details on the current state of voting um, and county-specific information on things like how many poll sites um, vis-a-vis like, population for each county.
0: hmm Great. We are visiting with Karen leeve and uh, Guan Yu Ching of the American Civil Liberties Union of Kansas about the issues that concern them the most currently. Talk about some of the criminal cases you've got going that are, or or major litigation that you've got going.
2: Not directly criminal um, defense related. One of the cases that we have had going on for the last four years is now titled Shaw versus Smith. Um, This is a case we brought against the Kansas Highway Patrol for its practice of violating motorists Fourth Amendment rights by unconstitutionally extending traffic stops um, to wait for a drug dog to come out and sniff your vehicle um, to see if you have drugs without reasonable suspicion. And specifically, the KHP is detaining people for drug dog sniffs based on legally insufficient or impermissible factors, um, such as the fact that they are traveling on I-70 from Colorado. Um, And Colorado features prominently because they have legalized marijuana and Kansas does not. (laughs) Um, And in that case, we have this absolutely incredible stalwart group of plaintiffs who have stuck with this case um, over the last four years. Last year in 2023, we had three separate trials, um, two different juries found in favor of our plaintiffs. um, And one of those juries even awarded punitive damages because they found the trooper who was involved in that stop, they found his behavior was so egregious um, that it merited awarding extra money. Um, And to the best of my knowledge, that was the first time that punitive damages have ever been awarded against a KHP trooper. Um, So we had those two jury trials. And then after a bench trial, the court granted our request for injunction, um, ordering the KHP to cease its unconstitutional practices. Um, And one of those practices is the way it's called the Kansas Two Step. Perhaps you've heard of that. Um, It's a tactic that KHP troopers are trained on at the academy and um, the KHP superintendent um, encourages their troopers to engage in this. Um, So what happens is um, trooper pulls you over for traffic infraction, you know, maybe you were speeding. um, They take your your papers, your insurance, your driver's license, your car registration, um, they run your info, they might write you a ticket and then they come back to your car window, hand you your papers back and say something like, have a good night, or drive safe. Then they take two steps back toward their car. um, And at trial, it sometimes varied between one and four steps, but they turn right back around and they say, hey, can I ask you some more questions? And at that point, they try to get more information out of you about what your travel plans are, where you're headed, how long you're going, um, anything to build um, reasonable suspicion, sufficient reasons to keep you there so they can call for a drug dog to come sniff your car in hopes that they find some drugs or some evidence um, to use against you. Um, so after the bench trial, the court issued the injunction. Um, the Kansas Highway Patrol has appealed, and we are currently in the early stages of that process.
1: Not related to our criminal justice docket, but but very a uh, uh, piece of litigation that we recently engaged in is um, the State v. Harper case, which is a case that doesn't traditionally fall under either one of our campaign goals, but um, does have to do with the rights of um, the LGBTQIA community in Kansas, specifically the transgender community in Kansas. Um, And that case is a state lawsuit about whether or not transgender Kansans should be able to have gender-affirming driver's licenses. Um, which is a license that matches their gender identity. Um, so in that case, we, what happened was last, last summer over the veto of uh, the governor, SB 180 was entered into law. That's a law that is, that is vague, that defines male and a female and very and rigidly defined one's sex as they are sex assigned at birth. Um, the attorney general interpreted that to mean that, to apply to driver's licenses, and filed a lawsuit in state court asking that that KDOR, which is the agency that issues our driver's licenses here in Kansas be stopped from allowing tra- transgender individuals to change the gender markers on their driver's licenses and have the gender assigned at birth be what's on that driver's license. Um, of course, we know for many, many years without issue, transgender Kansans were able to change their gender markers on their driver's license. Um, We got involved in that case, because what we did is we we sought to intervene, meaning we we represented uh, several transgender Kansans who either, who were fearful that they would not be able to have, um, that when they went to renew their license or when they went to get a license, that they would not be able to have the proper gender marker on their driver's license, we joined into the lawsuit to raise um, the constitutional issues that we saw with this interpretation of the law. Uh, we wanted to argue that the law uh, violated the, these their constitutional rights and the rights of all transgender candidates. Uh, That Transgender Kansans shouldn't be forced to disclose their transgender status every time they use a driver's license. We think about the way in which we use our driver's licenses. We use them for everything. You want to rent a car, pick up some prescriptions, go to the liquor store, buy a pack of cigarettes, right? These are things that you are constantly using your driver's license for. For most individuals, it's their primary source of identification. Um, a few weeks ago, we had a hearing about, um, on the injunction, so meaning, you know, when the Attorney General filed his case, he was granted a temporary restraining order, which, um, Meant that the DMV had to stop immediately, stop issuing driver's licenses um, with the with gender gender affirming driver's licenses, and so we're now waiting on a waiting a ruling um, on that hearing. But that hearing took place about two and a half weeks ago, um, and uh, so very 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 recent. And
2: there's one more. Um case that we have ongoing at the moment. Um, we are currently litigating a case against Dodge City um, for violating Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Their city commission, which is basically their city council, um, those elections for those commissioner positions are at-large elections instead of district-based, which we believe dilutes the voting power of the majority Latino-Hispanic community. And we go to trial on that case at the end of February, so a month from now.
0: Is there legislation in um, the Kansas legislature that you're interested in? And do you have do you have you're, you're organizing volunteers to lobby uh, to support your agenda? Am I right? Um, well, our agenda is just pro-civil rights
2: <laughs> regardless. Um, and I will say that the 2024 Kansas legislative session is going on right now in Topeka. They're just getting started. It's only been in session for a couple of weeks. um, And the situation is developing. They're just starting to get things off the ground. So we don't have any official positions on any bills that have been introduced yet. Um, But there are a couple of things that we are keeping an eye on to see how they develop. Um, One of those things is HB 2492, which is a bill introduced in the House That is essentially a vigilante bounty hunter abortion ban bill. Um, It bans nearly all cases of abortion, uh, restricts medication abortions, and allows any person, any person, um, to file a civil suit against someone who pursues or contributes to an abortion. And that bill is obviously concerning to us because. Just a year and a half ago, Kansans resoundingly <laughs> rejected that constitutional amendment that would have completely banned abortion. Um, so this bill explicitly goes against the will of Kansans. Um, we expect additional anti-abortion bills um, coming out of this session that ignore um, what legislature, legislators know that their constituents actually want. Um, Additionally, in recent years and especially last year, um, as Karen mentioned, with the Harper case, um, legislators have tried to pass bills targeting transgender Kansans and did actually pass SB 180 over Governor Kelly's veto. And we expect similar or repeat attacks this year. Um, But otherwise, it's going to be a very intense session. Um, Every single member of the Kansas legislature, both the House and the Senate, all of them are up for re-election this year so
0: right so uh do you have procedures that volunteers can support your organization and if so how do they how to, how do volunteers who are interested in supporting you get involved
1: so there's
2: yeah if people oh go oh, ahead karen okay no, I-, oh, I i was just going to say that if people um, want to get involved, check out our website, ACLUKansas.org. Um, you can learn more about the work we're doing, sign up to join the Beehive, which is what we call our network of volunteers. Um, and if anyone listening knows somebody who's been personally impacted by the issues that we've talked about today, um, please have them reach out. We're always looking for community members willing to share their stories.
0: Okay, we are about out of time. So um, any final words for our audience?
1: I'll just say we're really we're really proud of the work that we do we're proud to represent the civil liberties of kansans and we hope that others will will come to our website see what we're up to see that there's so many different ways to get involved to ensure that the rights of Kansans are protected um we Juan, you just mentioned so many different ways but also if there's just resources on our website that you can use for yourself. We have toolkits and reports, um, lobbying one hundred ones, little documents that you can read for yourself that really can help inspire change in the way that you want to see change in the way that you want to be a part of it. And you know, we welcome. We we're so proud of what we do, and we welcome others to to join to join with us.
0: Wang Yu,
2: yeah. The last thing I would add is that. Um... If people want to get involved, you're always welcome. Um, we cannot rely on the courts to save us. Um, as lawyers, we know that litigation is just a downstream solution after the damage has already been done, right? Um, and a spoonful of prevention is worth a basket of cures. So people should, um, you know, if you if you care about these issues, get involved, take control, right?
0: You have been listening to an interview with Karen Lev and Kwangyu yu Ching of the American Civil Liberties Union of Kansas about the issues that concern them the most currently. For more about their current litigation and other activities, tune in to Jaws of Justice Radio on KKFI next Monday, February 5 at 9 a.m. Next week on Radioactive Magazine... Mike Kelly, the chairman of the Board of Commissioners of Johnson County, Kansas, will discuss their climate action plan and other concerns with Radioactive Magazine regular David Mitchell. I'm Spencer Graves. Thank you for listening.